my joy to share God's word with you for a few minutes. Thank God I see you and I know that God has been with you. He has sustained you. Sometimes just waking up is enough for you to give him praise for a man. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I want to go back to Joshua chapter number 3. Last week we talked about the difference of distance. We are learning that before we cross into where God has called us to be, there are some things that he's teaching us along the way as we are moving. We have moved from Shittim and we came to the Jordan. We understood that Shittim is that place where when God tells me to come out of my past mistakes, I come out. Praise the Lord. And when God calls me to come from my past victories, it's because there are greater victories that he has for me on the other side. So we talked about Joshua rising up early. We talked about Joshua moving with Israel from Shittim where it's guarded and it's secure. They can control. And then they came to the Jordan where the river is raging and there is turbulence and all things are happening. And God says... This is the place where I want to do my wonders. I'm starting here at the Jordan. I'm starting here in the chaos. I'm starting here in the hardship. I'm starting here in your problems. I'm starting here in your circumstance. This is the place where I want to start doing my work. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So when you come to the Jordan, we realize that something else is about to take place because now they have lodged. We talked about rising. We talked about removing. We talked about lodging. Hallelujah. What's interesting to me is that Joshua lodged. He didn't last. If I ask you a question, do you know whether you're in a lodging season or a lasting season? Because discernment is going to be important for you to understand. I see how the Jordan is, but you know what? I'm lodging. Hallelujah. The river is raging. But I'm lodging. Hallelujah. Single people, you need to, you need to know, is this a lodger or a laster? <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't, on, don't put on those sanctified clothes. You know those sanctified clothes, right? I'm talking about the clothes that you've set apart. The ones you've set aside that when this person comes, this is the one I'm going to wear when I go out for dinner, go out for this and this. You know the one that has the dry cleaning stuff still on top of it? That one, that's the sanctified one. That's the one that no other clothes can touch because if anything else touches that one, it's a curse. Hallelujah. Don't dress up for a lodger. Save your time, save your money, save your energy, save your phone calls, save your text for a laster. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So now Joshua is lodging where he's supposed to be moving. And now we come to part two. The difference of presence. I want to talk to you about the difference of presence. And we'll find that in Joshua chapter 3 from verse 2 to verse number 4. The difference of presence. If you're there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host... And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet 
There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So there's an instruction that is, that is released. There's a word that is passed. There's a word that is given to let the people know that there's something that is going to happen and not about if it happens. He says, when it happens. Amen. For example, do not make the mistake of saying in this church, if we go back to 4512. Don't make that mistake. Amen. We will jump on you. <laughs> All the same people who believe that they're going back to 45 will jump on you. Because it's not a if, it's a when. 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 Louder, it's a when. Amen. So never say if. Start saying when we go back. Amen. Amen. Close your eyes and start saying when, I, when we go back, when we cross the Jordan. I'm going to be sitting right there, uh, yeah, uh, um, four, four, four rows from the front, right there in the, the yeah, that's, where, that's my chair, that's where I'm going to sit, and then the next place is going to be where I'm going to invite the friend that has been telling me they're going to come, and I've been telling them that God is about to do great things, that's, that's, that's where they're going to sit. And, 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 and when, my, when my mom comes to visit, um, um, she's going to sit right, right there. And, and, and the kids are going to be in Sunday school. I can just hear them singing. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Because if you don't see it in the spirit, it will be hard for you to see it out here. Hallelujah. So sometimes just commune with yourself on your bed. And just talk to yourself about where you're going. Hallelujah. I, re I can imagine Joshua just lodging where he was. And closing his eyes and I say, man, this time next week, oh, I'll be in Jericho. I'll be in Jericho. I can't wait to see what God is going to do when we get to Jericho. I heard the walls are so high. But I can't wait to see the wonders that God is about to do once we cross this river that is raging. I'm not even worried about the river right now. I'm already looking at Jericho because God has said this river, we shall cross it. Hallelujah. And when you can begin to see things like that, you are beginning the stages to see the manifestation of what God has said will happen in your life. Hallelujah. The difference of presence. Now, a police officer changes the whole traffic pattern. You know that? Just the presence. He doesn't have to put his lights on. All he has to do is what? Just be there. Have you ever been driving on the road and you're driving and you're driving and then you look in your rearview mirror and you see a police officer behind you on the side or you look in your wheelchair and see in front of you? In front of you, what do you do? Slow down. Even if you're doing the speed limits. It doesn't matter if I'm doing 55 or 695. As soon as the police comes, slow down. And then my heart starts beating. You know what I'm saying, right? And then you start to ask yourself, is he coming for me? You're all about yourself. Forget. Forget anybody else. I'm all about myself. And you start asking yourself, is my taillight out? You know, is my car all right? If I hit the brakes, did the taillight? You know, you start asking all the questions. Then you start looking at somebody and say, is he coming for him? I hope he's coming for him. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done that? You ever done that? You ever seen somebody 
oh, he got him. He got him. He got him. And then he start coming down because now you found what they call a scapegoat. You know? So now you start praying. I send him to go get him. Go, I declare in the name of Jesus. Get him. You know? Because, because you just want to be what? I just want to be free. I don't care about nobody else right now. All I know is I cannot afford a ticket right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know the ones that I don't like? The ones who hide. <laughs> that's that's the devil. Seriously. Those who hide. Especially there's a there's a there's a place where right when you pass the church and then you go up towards Alcourt Station and then you go down the hill. It's like they're in the trees and they're hiding it's, it's like they are pre they have conspired to get you. That's what I say. They have conspired to get me. Have you been there? I got a ticket there one time. I was driving, I was just enjoying myself, but I guess I went over the speed limit because I was feeling it and just, you know. And I come over the hill, and as soon as I come down the hill, I see this guy walking out from the trees, like. Who is this? And then I see the uniform, I see, I say, oh no. And you know who he gets me? At the place, you know where the light is green where you go into the station? Yeah. Right there. So the light turns red. You can't run. Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna go? The light is red. So if you now you skip the light, that's something else you've done. <laughs> so now I start saying, okay. What is it? What is it? That's how I pray Jesus favor, 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 favor. God help me, but I still got a ticket. <laughs> Who's ever gotten a ticket from a police officer who is hiding? Who here? Hiding police officers. Those are the worst. But, but you understand that presence changes the picture. Hallelujah. And even when it comes to this scenario, the presence of God was going to change the entire picture. Hallelujah. Because, and this is something that Moses knew. Because in Numbers 33, Moses was telling God, if, you, if your presence does not come with us, do not move us from this place where we are. Moses was like, I would rather be stuck in a place where you are than leave and go to a place where you're not. Hallelujah. Moses knew the importance of God's presence. God's presence was so strong and powerful that Israel's reputation had preceded them. Because in Joshua chapter 2, when, God, when Joshua sends out the spies to go and spy Jericho, they come back and they say, Joshua, man, look, we just went there and we found out these people. They're afraid of us. Their hearts are melted. Their mighty men are just like quivering. They're shaking because of what God has been doing for us along the way. Our reputation has preceded us. Why? Because of the presence of God. Hallelujah. That's what the presence of God will do for you. It will ensure that your reputation precedes you. Hallelujah. But by the time you get to certain places, you discover that God has already dealt with the thing that you are afraid of. Because I'm sure those spies went to Jericho, looked at those walls like, wow, how are we going to deal with this? But when they went inside, see, sometimes you got to go inside. Don't just look at the walls and say, oh my, we know we can do this. Go inside. Because when they went inside, they found out, oh, we already have the victory. We already have the victory. Amen. So now, when they come here to, to, this, to this part of, of Joshua chapter 3 we are looking at, the first thing I want you to see is, to, they were told to see the Ark of the Covenant. That's point number one. When you see, when you see, so this means, welcome Duncan, welcome back, Thank you. <laughs> welcome Mrs. Hinton, welcome back, welcome 
Welcome Patricia Wanjeri. Welcome back. See when you saw when you saw when, when I saw Duncan, I smiled. When I saw Mrs. Hinton, I smiled. When I saw Patricia, I smiled. What I'm trying to tell you is this. When God when, when they were told that when you see, it meant that they had to pay enough attention to the point where when they saw the ark moving, it meant they had to also move. Okay? So when is a prompt word. I want to write the word prompt. When is a prompt word? Because I want to go beneath the seeing. It's not just about the seeing. Because most of the time the presence of God is not really seen. It is sensed. Praise God. Most of the time the presence of God is not seen. It is sensed. So when you sense the presence of God, there are days when you come to this, this house and you sense the presence of God and you say, man, God was in that place. You ever said that? Yes. You ever said that God was in that place, but it was a sense that came over you, amen, and you realize that God is in this place. So it's a prompt word. And there are prompts all over the place. Some of you, you got here because of prompts. Because of cues. Your alarm clock went off. So that was a prompt to do what? To wake up. The alarm clock did not wake you up. God woke you up. But the alarm clock told you what? Get out of bed. Amen. And then you got a prompt. Some of you are driving. There are some prompts on the road. Like, 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 like what? Stop signs. Red light. Green light. And you cannot mess up the two. The only place you can mess up is yellow. That's 50-50. You know, 50, yellow is 50-50. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the way I've ever been driving and then when you're trying to, when the light turns yellow, you accelerate. That's when you really hit it. Like, I'm, I'm making this. I cannot miss this life. You know, and you go. So that's the only place where you can, that's a, what we call a gray area in the world. You know, but every, there are prompts that are brought, that happen to your life to let you know what to do. Amen. For example, when, when you came in here, you discovered that there were already several things that had happened because of prompts. How the chairs were arranged, or that the house that was clean. Because the prompting was this, people are coming to the house of God, so the place has to be ready. That was a prompt. Amen. Now, there are also other prompts. They're not very good ones. Like the notification on your phone. The notification on your phone. That's not a good prompt. Every time, bzz, right? Every time, bzz, every time, bing, every time, bing, <coughs> bing. Notification, notification, prompts. What is, it, what is it doing to you? Every time you get a notification, what do you do? You have to check it. And, and, and have you realized when you don't check it, you start to feel, you feel something inside? You feel like, man, if I don't check this thing, you start trying to excuse yourself into checking it. Hallelujah. So I did something drastic at the beginning of the year. I realized my notifications are messing with me. Are messing with me. Because when I open my phone in the morning, I have 20 notifications. By the time I'm done with 20, my soul is like, you know, so you know what I did? I just, I shut all of them out. I closed all of them. Do you know I realized? I had the authority to do that. I just never used it. Hallelujah. And some of us, we have been given authority that we are not using. Hallelujah. I'm now moving over to spiritual things. You have authority, but you're not using it. I didn't, I didn't realize that I could take my phone and just go in my settings and go to apps and just hit that. And just, just that changed everything for me it changed a lot for me because now i check it when i will get to it that's my decision i will check it when i get to it 
Amen. And I've realized that I'm enjoying myself much more. Because I'm not worried about the notification. Praise Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And some of us need to take the authority we've been given and start notifying my mind in the morning of God's word every day. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, the way you dress yourself, you take time to dress yourself. I want to encourage you. Take your time to dress your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All that time I spend in the mirror dressing myself in this fleshly body that's going to decay. And all I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start going for the mirror. That mirror, you are a child of God. You have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, the Lord is living within you. You have been sent by God. You are called by God. You have an assignment, a task, and you will complete it. Greater is He who is in you. Don't do this in a Walmart. Don't do this in a Walmart. Okay, this is a home. Okay, but I'm telling you, if you will dress your mind the same way you dress your body. There are some things that you're going to be coming across your way and you'll be able to stand and be able to have victory and be able to declare the word of God. But if you only dress your body, but you don't dress your mind, whatever you've worn on your body will not help you, will not save you, will not give you victory. So I want to encourage you in this place. Start dressing your mind. When you wake up in the morning, dress your mind. Hallelujah. Dress your mind. Because your mind is the tool God has given you to experience transformation in your life. Hallelujah. And whatever it is you're going to give your mind, it's going to come out in your life. Hallelujah. So give your mind a good diet. Praise God. Give your mind the right diet. Hallelujah. Give your mind a steady diet of God's word. When you see, it's a prompt. It's a prompt. It's a prompt. Have you ever heard God prompt you? Has God ever prompted you? Hallelujah. I remember when God prompted me one time in the military. And this one is so personal. I had... You see, when you go on deployment, you have, you have groups that you, 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 you have duty with, you work with. So eventually, you start to go out with them when you go to ports. Because the way they did a port was, you had one day on duty on the ship, two days you are, two days you are, you are free. So the way that I did it was the people I was with on the days we were free would go to our place, go for tours, go eat good food and come back on the ship. But there was one time. There was one time when we were supposed to go out and I heard a prompt from God. Never forget it. So like somebody was grabbing at my heart like this and I heard this whisper don't go that's all I heard impossible to deny easy to ignore but it was there and that tugging was so strong I told my friends I'm not going today I'm just gonna stay on the ship you have no idea what it means to stay on the ship it's the most boring experience unless you're working you have to eat the ship's food. Nasty. You have to just walk around the ship. You can work out, but how long can you work out for? I mean, an hour, that's it. What you gonna do the rest of the day? But that nudge, that prompt was so strong, I could not say no to it. So now the evening comes. And my friends that I go with are not back yet. And in the military, when you go out, you have a curfew. Your curfew goes by rank. So the lower rank you are, the earlier you have to come back. So they don't come back. 
10 o'clock, they're not back. 11 o'clock, they're not back. I go to sleep, they're not back. Around maybe 1 a.m., I start hearing these noises. And all of them are making noise, being rowdy. And I could tell they were drunk. They came and started messing with me, started messing with me. Eventually, they left me alone. I came to find out the next day that God had saved me. God saved me. God delivered me. I found out. Because they went, met another group that was not that good. Because bad morals corrupt what? Bad company corrupts good morals. So they met another group that had bad morals. Right? So they corrupted. They went and they just got drunk. When I mean drunk, I mean completely drunk. They were staggering back on the ship. I'm finding this out the next day. At the end of it all, when all the dust has settled, all those people got demoted. They were all demoted. All demoted. That was the day. I remember another day. I don't remember any other day I cried on the ship, but that's the day I cried on that ship. I cried because I knew God saved me. Not because I did anything good, because he is good. Amen. He saved me. And I got to the point where I went, I went somewhere by myself and I just cried and I said, Lord, you would save me? Because if, if I ignored what he said, I don't know what would have happened out there. But maybe because God knew if you go out there, you're not going to be able to do, be able to stand out there. So I'm going to help you stand now. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And God saved me because he prompted me. And I want you to encourage you, do not ignore the promptings of God. Amen. When God prompts you, you better listen. It is impossible to deny. Amen. But it is easy to ignore. I could have chosen my friends. I could have chosen to go with them. But my story would have been very different right now. But I thank God. Because he delivered me by speaking to me. Something that I had no idea. Only he knew. Praise God. Amen. Don't, this, don't ignore God's promptings. If God tells you run, you know what you do? Run. You put on your Adidas and your Nike and your Under Armour and your Puma and you flee. And you run. Hallelujah. If God tells you stand, you stand in the strength of God and you stand right there. And you stand and you keep standing and keep believing and keep waiting and keep standing. Because if you heard it from him, he will not put you to shame. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He saved me. I don't know if God has ever saved you from a situation. But God saved me. Hallelujah. When God speaks his promptings. Hallelujah. The psalmist says in Psalm 27, 8. He says this. When you said, seek my face. My heart said back to you. Your face will I seek. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. When God gives you a prompt, He is not just saying empty words. The last thing you want to ever do is be in regret because you refuse to obey the voice of the Lord. The last thing you want to do is to be like Saul who disobeyed the voice of God and ended so far away when you could have been so far in the other direction. Hallelujah. Don't be like Jonah. When Jonah was told, I want you to go to Nineveh. He said, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. Hallelujah. 
the promptings of God. Hallelujah. When you see the ark of the covenant. I want you to write this down. Every when from God. Every when from God. Every when from God should lead to a then from us. Every when from God. Every when a prompt. Every when from God should lead to a then from us. When God, then I. Amen? When God, then I. Every when from God should lead to a then from us. That is the call and response relationship we should always have with God. Let's go to point number two. They are told after you see, when you see it happen, they are told remove from your place and go after it. That is my second point. Go after it. Go after it. At the beginning of the year, we are all going after it. I'm going after my goals. I'm going after my dreams. I'm going after this. And I'm going after that. And I'm going after this. And I'm going after that. I want to ask you a question about whatever you're going after. The thing that you are going after. Where did it come from? Where did the thing that you are going after come from? Hallelujah. Because I can tell you most of the things that we go after, they are coming from this kind of action. I'm doing like this. I'm doing like this. I'm looking at what everybody else has, what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has, and I'm starting to say, me too. I want that too. I want that too. I want that too. I'm looking like this. And look, the more you do this, the less you do what? The less you do this. The less you look up. Hallelujah. That's what Israel did. When Israel wanted a king, you know how it came about? They were doing like this. They were looking around. They were saying, wow, look at these people. They have a king that takes them to battle. Look at that king. He's so majestic on his horse when they go to battle. I wonder why we can't have one of those. I wonder why I can't have a big screen TV like that person. I wonder why I can't have this like this person. I wonder why I can't have like that this person. I wonder this, I wonder that, I wonder that. Before you know it, Samuel, we want a king. So we can be like other people. Hallelujah. Are you going after something because it came from a desire to be like somebody else? Hallelujah. Because if that becomes the way that you are going after whatever you're going after, I can tell you, some of those things that you're going to go after, they're going to come into your life and you're going to be even more empty than you were when you were chasing after it. Hallelujah. You have to ask yourself, what is it that I am going after? Where did it come from? Did it come from a, a this? Lord, show me what to do. Speak to me in this moment. Tell me where I need to go. Show me the way to walk through. I want to move when you move. I want to walk when you walk. I want to run when you run. Let me know what I need to do. Hallelujah. And the more I do this, the less time I'll have for doing this. Hallelujah. And sometimes my level of contentment is dictated by the people who I'm comparing my life with. My level of contentment is dictated by the people that I'm comparing my life with. I hope you wrote that down. The level of contentment that I have is largely determined by the people I'm comparing myself with. 
But people were never meant to be our measuring rods, our measuring sticks. Our standard is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I asked myself, what would Jesus do in this moment? Hallelujah. What would Jesus do in this moment? If in this moment, Jesus would come to Duncan and say, Duncan, look, I messed up. I'm sorry. That's not how I'm supposed to do a relationship with you. If that's what Jesus would do, am I willing to step up to the plate? Or am I say, well, Samson didn't apologize, so why should I? Amen. If God is prompting me to apologize to my wife for something, and I say, well, look at all the other things that she has done to me. There is no other relationship going to be found around Christ. Because somebody somewhere has got to obey God so that the other person can realize, oh, this, this thing is going in a different direction. Hallelujah. What determines whatever you're going after? Because they were told to go after it. Hallelujah. What is it that you are going after? Is it an it that has come from God? Or is it that you want God to follow your it? Hallelujah. Is God leading your it? Or is your it leading God? Praise Jesus. So in September last year, I had planned to run a marathon. 26 miles. 26.2 miles. So in May, that's when I, May, June, that's when I decided I'm going to do this marathon in September because that's my birthday month. So I started training, I started running, I started, you know, doing all the stuff. I was, a mar I was in marathon school. I was eating, you know, all these leaves and, you know, <laughs> you know, all this stuff, man. But I'm like, for the joy that is set before me, I will endure this, this spinach and this kale and this, whatever that thing is that's going around like that. I'm going to endure all that for the joy that is set before me of getting this marathon in. So I'm practicing, I'm running, I'm doing, I'm preparing, I'm preparing, I'm preparing, I'm, I'm all this stuff, all these things. And September comes and there's a fast, there's a fast in September. Now, Brother David has to decide, is this it of running a marathon going to be the reason why you don't fast? Or are you going to choose to fast because you know that, see, God knew I was training, God knew I was practicing. So I could have said, you know what, God understands that. You know, I've been training. At least this one time I can be able to, you know, just, just be let out of this fast. Just this one time. Just let me go. You know, I'll catch the fast next time. But in that moment, I had to ask myself, is this marathon, as much as I've trained all the nasty stuff I've eaten, <laughs> is it worth skipping this fast? And I started asking myself, what is on the other side of this fast? If God has spoken it, there's something on the other side. What's on the other side of this marathon? Just me being able to say, I ran a marathon? Like, no, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough for me. Amen. So I went on the fast. And the reason why I went, I, so I went on the fast, but I stopped running because there's a time when we were fasting and I ran. And then we went to the state fair with my wife and Esther. It was the most miserable day of my life. The sun was at its hottest that day. And I was at my hungriest in that day. So we went to see all the animals. You know the animals where they, all the smell and stuff, all oh, that hit me so hard. Like, boom! I started seeing two pigs when they were one. I'm like, are we dancing or what? What's going on? So I told my wife, I don't feel good. I don't, it's not good. So I, I told her, I got to go outside and get some fresh air because I'm, so, so I, I went outside and I was like, oh, some fresh air. So, and you know, and you know in, the, in the set fair, you can't ride the car, you got to walk. So we are walking, I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I, then I started seeing like stars, you know, like, 
I'm like, this ship is going down. This, this flight, this flight, this flight, David Wayaki is going down. And the pilot is messed up. I was like, oh no. So I told my wife, I gotta get something to drink, something with a high content of sugar. Because <laughs> if I don't get it, you're gonna be you're gonna picking up my remains from the floor because I am going down, you know. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Can anybody hear me? <laughs> So, so we walk in, we walk in, and we get to a lemonade stand. I'm like, oh, okay, good, 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 good. Uh, there's a line. There's a line at the lemonade stand, and there's a brother, a servant of Jesus, <laughs> about to fall out of my do for nowhere. So I told my wife, okay, you stay in the line. I'm gonna sit here because I keep standing and I keep seeing more stars. So I sat down there. I sat and I waited, I waited, I waited, man. I, then I started sweating. Have you ever sweat like so bad? And you're like, I'm not doing anything to sweat. But I'm yeah. just, I mean bullets. Bullets. I'm like, is this, is this close to how Jesus felt in the Garden of Gethsemane? Like I was close to sweating blood. I was like, literally, you know, this cup passing away from me. Whatever it is. I was sweating so bad. And then finally my wife brought me this. I don't want to call it salvation, but he felt like it at a moment. Oh, I drank that lemonade. It was the best lemonade of my life. <laughs> it was the best lemonade of my life. And from that day, I said, I will no longer. The only time when I will run is, if I'm going to run, I will run right before we're about to eat. <laughs> Literally, I will leave the treadmill and walk to dinner table. That's the only way I'm going to start running when I'm fasting because, oh my God. That day, I was going down. So I had to give up my it for God's it. Hallelujah. I had to lay mine down for God because I want you to think about this. See the way the earth revolves? You know, the earth rotates. The earth revolves. See, I want my life to revolve around the presence of God. I want my life to orbit in the presence of God. That way, I'm always close enough to him to be able to hear him speak and I will move. Hallelujah. And I wish that all of us would have that desire that I want my life to always orbit in the presence of God. That I'm always face to face with his presence. I'm always face to face with him so that he can lead me and direct me. So that he can shine on my life and direct me in the way to go. Hallelujah. Point number three. After you go after it, you need to know the way. You need to know the way. You need to know the way. You need to know the way so if when is a prompt and go is a motion knowing is the invitation for revelation amen if when is a prompt go is a motion knowing is the invitation for revelation show me the way be to be able to know the way you must be ready to ask God to show you the way. Praise God. If you want to know the way, you have to be able to ask God what? Show me the way. Because if he does not show you the way, it's going to be impossible for you to know the way. Let me give you an example. If I, let's say I have two boxes, two boxes here, right? And I ask you two, all of you on this side over here, to choose which box you want. Okay? I ask you to choose the box you want, right? Two boxes. Then I ask you, choose the box you want. Now, some of you might ask me some questions, but I can't I can answer the question because you have to choose the box that you want. Okay, now I'm going to add something else. Let's say the worship team here 
on the back of the box facing them, one says good and one says evil. Now, what are you going to do before you choose the box that is right? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going, you're going to... You're going to you're going to you're going to pray. You're going to call on the worship team. You're going to you're going to seek the worship team, right? You're going to pray to the worship team because they know what you don't, and if they know what you don't, and you ask them to show you what you don't know but need to know, and they tell you, then you can choose what the right box. I want to let you know something. God knows the right box. God knows the right box. But if you want him to show you the, to, to, to show you the right box, you have to be willing to seek him. Amen. For which box is the right box? Amen. Because sometimes the box can look really nice, right? Sometimes boxes can look nice. Boxes can have your favorite color to make you choose. Boxes can be wrapped nicely to make you choose. But it's what's inside the box that does what? Matter. And God knows what is inside the box. Hallelujah. Don't lean on someone who doesn't have the faith to stand when things get tough. Hallelujah. Lean on somebody who has the faith to stand when things get tough, when things get rough. Knowing the way. So what is one thing I can really emphasize that we can do this year? You see, they were, they, were, they, were told, they were told to to have some what? Distance, right? Some space. I want to encourage you to give space. Give room for God in your decisions. Give room for God in your finances. Give room for God in your marriage. Give room for God in your finances. Give room for God. Give God space to speak. Hallelujah. Because when you give God room to speak, he will lead you in the way that you should go. Because there is a way that is right to a man. But the end of it is destruction. But when you seek God for the way, he will show you the right way to go. He will lead you and guide you with his very own eye. Hallelujah. Knowing the way. Knowing the way. How do we know the way? Let's go to John chapter 10 as I finish now. How do we get to know the way? See, Israel had an ark. But I want you to know that we have something better. Because if you don't know, the ark was a representation of Jesus Christ. It was built of acacia wood, humanity, but it was ever laid with gold, divinity. That's Jesus Christ, the hypostatic union of God. Divinity and humanity, not 50-50, 100% each. Hallelujah. John chapter 10, verse number 4. John chapter 10, verse number 4. When you get there, you can say amen. He says this, And when he put forth his own sheep, Are you his sheep? Are you his sheep? And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. You see? He goeth ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. And he says this, For they know his voice. You see, Israel were told when you see the ark, but we are being told when you hear his voice. Hallelujah. They were told when you see the ark. We don't have an ark that we are carrying all over the place, but we have a voice that we've been given access to. 
Hallelujah. That's why he says, if you hear his heart, his voice, do not harden your heart. Hallelujah. It's his voice and the access to his voice. Your ability to have what I call voice recognition when it comes to who Jesus Christ is. Hallelujah. Voice recognition is two things. Number one, who is speaking? Number two, what are they saying? Praise Jesus. Number one, who is speaking? Is it me speaking? Is it my own feelings speaking? Or is it Jesus Christ speaking into my life in this moment? Hallelujah. And then what is he saying? Is he telling me to go north instead of south? Is he calling me east instead of west? What is he saying to me? Voice recognition. When you can recognize the voice of Jesus, defining moments start to happen in your life. Like Samuel. Samuel kept being called by God, but where did Samuel go? To Eli. And finally, Eli said, the next time he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when he could recognize who was speaking, he was given access to what was being said. Hallelujah. So it's time for us to start asking, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? Hallelujah. Because it's his voice. You see, at the beginning of John chapter 10, it talks about this, this place that has all these sheep. But it says when he comes, he calls his own sheep. Amen. And the sheep are able to hear him. So recognizing his voice is going to be one of the most important things you can do in this year. And here's how I conclude. The new year becomes an old year. Let me start again. The new year becomes an old year when you repeat old ways instead of living in God's ways. A new year becomes an old year when you repeat old ways instead of living in the revelation of God's ways. Hallelujah. I have to decide, do I want to be a person who repeats or want to be a person who experiences revelation? That will be the distinction of the difference of distance. I mean of presence, sorry. Whose voice are you paying attention to right now? So many voices are speaking, aren't they? There's so many voices, right? So many opinions, so many things, so many this, so many that. But how will you know the right voice? It's only Jesus whose voice is going to be the right voice at any time. Hallelujah. Whatever voice doesn't line up with his, chuck it. Just throw it out. Don't even worry about it. Just chuck it. But when the voice of Jesus lines up, you can take that and take it to the bank. Because the voices you listen to will determine the future you experience. The voices you listen to will determine the voices you experience.